We're finishing up a, a series today called Stronghold, and uh, we've really been talking these last couple weeks about this, and, and uh, we're taking it from uh, the book of Judges, kind of using the, the story of Gideon, and uh, you know, in the book of Judges, uh, the people of Israel would sin, and they would, were really just turning away from God, they wouldn't trust in God, they wouldn't rely upon Him, they wouldn't obey His commands that they had. And uh, the Lord would send, you know, an enemy in, use the enemy to come in to really, in, in a sense, you know, make it a little bit tougher for them so that they would turn to the Lord. And uh, Israel at this time, um, they had, you know, sinned against God. They weren't obeying. And the Bible says in Judges 6, 2, it's kind of the, the passage we've been using there, it says that uh, Midian overpowered Israel and because of Midian, the children of Israel made for themselves dens and caves and strongholds. They were afraid of the enemy, and they went into the mountains, and they dug holes, and they dug places in, you know, in the rock, in the caves, and they built strongholds. They, they wanted to keep themselves. They were trying to protect themselves. You know, we can't protect ourselves. We've got to be able to trust and rely on God to protect us. He's our protector. We've got a couple people that agree with that. Praise the Lord. But thinking about strongholds, you know, a stronghold, strongholds are lies that we choose to believe that are contrary to God's written word that they, and they keep us bound and imprisoned, bound and imprisoned. You know, we begin, we, we begin to start, you know, listening to a, a lie comes in, the enemy brings a lie in and it kind of, it gets us to trip up and it's like we fall into a hole. And then the more we begin to believe that lie and the less we begin to believe the truth of God's word, then it becomes a little stronger. Now it's like a cave where it's surrounded and it's, you know, caves are kind of like dark and dingy and, and we're kind of held there. And after a while, if that seed and that stronghold is able to grow in our lives, it becomes the, really a fortress. That's what a stronghold is. It's a fortress. It's like a prison where we're bound and we're kept. And now what used to be something we tripped in, now we're imprisoned by. And the Lord showed me this, and we've talked about it already. You can go back and listen to the teachings online on our website, but Strongholds take root in the wounds, fears, and disappointments of your heart. They come, the enemy will plant seeds in our lives. He's looking for areas where we have fear and we're not in faith. He's looking for areas where we've been wounded. He's looking for areas where we have disappointments, either in somebody else or even disappointments in God or even disappointments in yourself. Man, you, you can be your own worst enemy. Everybody else, God's there just speaking life over you, and you just, you're speaking such everything contrary to yourself. Well, I'm just a nobody. Well, no, God's trying to get our attention so that we can see him. He just wants us to look in his eyes because when we look in his eyes, man, something happens when you look in the face of Jesus. The Bible says as we behold him, we get to become like him just by beholding him. It's like, it's like something that happens all by itself. Just like when you take a seed and you put it into the earth, we don't understand it. I know there's some scientific stuff there that we can label on, but God's the one that caused it, that I can just take a seed and I can plug it into the earth and he brings the sun and he brings the rain and that seed, the earth will produce fruit from that seed. Just getting it into the soil. 
It's hard to understand, you know? It's like, man, but just something about just looking at the face of Jesus by itself, just me looking to him and, and, and wanting to adore him and seeing who he is, automatically I become more like him. That's why it's so important to keep our eyes on Jesus. So we've talked about, you know, uh, breaking down these strongholds. We, you know, we talked about destroying, if we're going to destroy strongholds in our, in our own lives or even in our families, because these strongholds can be passed down through generations. If we're going to do that, the first thing we need to do is we have to trace it. We've got to trace the stronghold. That is really, we've got to recognize the lie. You've got to find that lie. And you do this with, just by asking the Holy Spirit to help you. Holy Spirit, is there any lie that I've been believing any in, internal narrative that I have. Have you ever just stopped and we asked you a couple weeks ago just to, just to begin to like think about the thoughts that are going through your head because not every thought that goes through your head is your thought. The enemy will come and he'll just begin to speak little things or someone else could speak it, not even meaning it, and the enemy could use that to try to really hone in on that wound and that disappointment or that fear in our own heart to make that stronghold go deeper to keep, keep that fortification, keep us out of the things of the Lord. So we do that by beginning to find out what, what are the thoughts that are going through my mind? And a lot of times it's in those still times, like when you wake up in the morning or when you're quiet or sometimes it's just when you're overwhelmed, those thoughts that are there. Instead of just letting those thoughts ruminate through your mind, is this like a chewing of the cud? To ruminate is just like a cow where you know they chew something, they swallow and they spit it back out again. That just sounds gross, doesn't it? Well, I don't wanna ruminate on the wrong thing, do you? It's gross. <laughs> and, but we've got to say, why am I thinking that? Where did that come from? Ask for the Holy Spirit's help, and he'll show you where it came from. And then we have to face it. Once you trace it, you have to face it. And we don't do this in our own ability. We do this in the ability that God himself has given us as sons and daughters of God. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have an opportunity today to be able to receive him into your life and you will become a son or a daughter of God. And you'll be able to trace and face the enemy, not in your own strength, but in his strength and in his ability. So then we come to the place now where we're gonna be talking about replacing strongholds. We trace them, you face them, then you have to replace them. See, we were using the study of Gideon kind of going in, and you know, we found Gideon whenever uh, we first saw him, that he is in a wine press threshing wheat. Now, if you know anything about farming, uh, you know, especially in those days, you wanted to be in an open place where the wind was blowing, so when you threw the wheat up in the air, the wind would help separate the wheat from the chaff. Well, he was afraid, just like all of Israel. They were, they were hiding themselves because every time they would go out and plant, when their harvest would, would come time to harvest their fields, the enemy would come in and devastate the land. They would take everything and leave them stripped and bare. They were afraid. So he's in a wine press trying to get his food, you know, hiding from the enemy. Don't see me, you know, hey, 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 I gotta get some food here. And while he's doing that, the angel of the Lord comes and says, greetings, valiant warrior. He's like, excuse me? <laughs> and he says, God is with you. Man, I tell you what, whenever you're going through a wound, whenever you're fearful about something, whenever you're disappointed, the, the thing that the enemy wants you to feel the most is that God is not there. That is a big lie. Because the truth is that God is there. He may not manifest himself all the time, but he is always there. And the more we acknowledge his existence, even in the midst of the wound, the pain, the fear, the disappointment, the more we give room for him to come into that point and to be able to bring healing 
and to put faith in the place of fear and to bring hope in the place of disappointment. Are you with me this morning? So Gideon's there and he begins to just like all of us have done this before. We've said this somewhere along the line in some form or fashion. He says, you're with us. Well, if you're with us, then why is all this stuff happened to us? If God is really for us and he's really with us, why are all these bad things happening to us? Where's, where's all the promises that our fathers told us about how you brought us out of Egypt? And God didn't even address that when he spoke to Gideon. He said, haven't I said I was with you? Go in this your strength. <laughs> you gotta love God. I mean, he's just like, didn't I just ask you a good question, God? Where are you? He's like, I've already told you I'm with you, just go. And what God's looking for that step of faith to be able to step out, and then he brings the rest. It, you know, we expect God to do everything first, and he, are, he has done everything, but he needs, he needs, it's called a partnership. That's covenant. It's covenant. We'll teach more on that later. We've gotta get back into some teachings about what covenant really is. But we have a partnership with God where he says, I'm going to give you everything that I have. But in that covenant, if you make covenant with me, I get everything that you have too. And it's not so I can lord it over you, but there will be times in relationships where a demand has to be made on both parts of the relationship. I need you now. I need you to do this so that I can do this. It's just that partnership together. So here... We know that Gideon, uh, the Bible says that that night he was afraid. And the Bible says that he went out uh, at, at nighttime, got some 10 other guys from his family, and they went because the Lord told him, he says, you go and you tear down the idols of your father's house. Right there in the city, take down the Asherah pole that they would worship, tear down that altar, and in its place, break that wood up and build an altar to me right on the place of that and burn an altar to me, the living God. And the Bible says he was afraid to do it by day, so he did it at night. But guess what? He did it. He did it. He went in his strength. Then all of a sudden, you know, I'm just kind of recapping a little bit of the story so we can get in the next part of the story. Um, you know, we didn't touch this last week, but they woke up in the morning and they saw what happened. And, and the men of the city were like, what has happened? Who tore down the pole? Who tore down the altar? What's going on? And someone is always looking, right? Even back then before cell phones and everything and video and Facebook, someone was looking, oh, Gideon did it. He did it. And they said, bring him out that we may kill him because he has destroyed the altar and the, and the Asherah pole. And Gideon's father stood up, and from that day on, he was known as Jerubbabel, which means this, if, if you know, he, let, let Baal contend with him is what it means. He tore down Baal's altar. You don't need to fight for Baal. If he is a god, let him come and take care of Gideon. Guess what? He never did. And all of a sudden, they began to get mustered up. Now they're going to, you know, really face the enemy like never before because there needs to be some replacing that's happening now. They, need, they want to get out of the dens and the holes and the strongholds that the enemy has caused in their lives. So a war is about to break out. There were 132, roughly a little bit more than that, 132,000 Midianites with some Amorites getting ready to come up against Israel, which was only 32,000 people. And they're down there. And here's where we are in our story. In chapter seven, verse number one, I'm gonna read a couple of scriptures here. It says this, so Gideon and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod and the armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. Okay, they got 132,000 plus. 
We got 32,000, and the Lord's saying, you got too many people with you. Look what it says again. He says, if I let all you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they save themselves by their own strength or power. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid, meaning they're trembling or afraid, that they may leave this mountain and go home. So Gideon addressed the people. Anyone who's trembling, anyone who's afraid to go into this battle today, you're free to go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. That's a key thing. 10,000 out of the 32,000 were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. You're killing me, God. (laughs) There's still too many. He said, bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took the armies down to the water, the Lord said to him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like a dog. I've never seen anybody do that. I mean, I may have like taken cup in my hand like that and kind of you know, slurp like that, but I've never taken my hand in a cup and go. <laughs> Anybody here done that before? Without being goofy? <laughs> in the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths to the stream, and only 300 men drank from their hands, and all the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. And the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. You know, I used to look at this and like, you know, try to figure things out. This is is things that we do in our own natural ability with our own minds. Like, why, God, would you do it that way? Why did you, you know, like, even when it came to, I can see fearful because, you know, you can see in military strategy, I mean, if if people are afraid, especially if there's 22,000 people that are afraid, they could infect the other 10,000 that weren't afraid, Right? So if you're going to be afraid, more than likely you're going to die anyhow. Just go on home. Spare your life. Let's just keep, keep the morale up and hear what's going on. But lapping like a dog, why was this? You know, and I used to think of myself like, is this some kind of military strategy? Like, you know, those who got down, if the enemy creeped up on them, they wouldn't have time to jump up and get their sword. But that's, I mean, it takes seconds just to go, ah. And I think if the enemy's coming, all of a sudden they get to a point where they're like, ah, and they're coming, ah. Anyhow. As I've been questioning this, I was like, Lord, why? Why is this? Why? Well, you know, why did he choose these two actions? The first one, the first one, he was like telling the, the, those who were afraid and fearful, he was locating their faith. God was locating their faith because he wants us to act in faith, right? If you're going to trace a stronghold, if you're going to replace a stronghold in his strength, if you're going to um, uh, face that stronghold and replace that stronghold, you've got to act in faith, so he was looking for those who were ready to put their faith in action. The second part, it's like, why lap like a dog? I mean, this is very strange. You pick it up. And I believe this. I believe the Lord showed this to me this week when I asked that, that he was testing obedience. He wanted to see who was sensitive to his spirit. He put, I believe this, you know, just that, that he put a thought in 300 people's minds And maybe there was more, but maybe he put it in all of them, but all of them didn't catch it. And only 300 went down and did the silly thing (laughs) that God just likes to do because it don't make sense to the natural mind. 
But the reality was he was looking for those who were going to be obedient to him. Because you can't get past your obedience. He's looking for faith. But faith enough isn't alone. You've got to obey the leadings of the Holy Spirit. So what happens in the story then is, you know, uh, the Lord told Gideon to go down that night. He says, listen, with these 300, I'm gonna save you guys. I'm, I'm going to use these 300 to bring deliverance, to tear down these strongholds and replace them with who I am in this nation. And he says, but if you're still afraid, you can read it yourself. He says, if you're still afraid, take your servant and go down into the Midianite camp and hear what they're talking about. So Gideon was still a little bit afraid. Wouldn't you be? I mean, it was already 32,000 against 132,000 plus, and now it's 300 to 132,000 plus. That's if they were to engage in battle, each, 300, each person of the 300 would have to kill 440 people. Wow, that sounds like one of David's mighty men. <laughs> right? He says, if you're afraid, go down. So he took his servant, he went down, they creeped in, and they're down at the camp. And as they came up, because God knows what he's doing, as they're creeping up behind one of these tents, they hear one of the Midianite, Midianites telling his, his comrade or whatever, comrade, hey, listen to the dream that I had last night. A loaf of barley rolled in to, the, to our camp and knocked a tent over flat. I mean, I don't know how much you can get out of that. A loaf of barley came rolling in and knocked down a tent flat. And his partner said this, that is nothing other than the sword of Gideon and they're going to defeat us. <laughs> you know, I did do some research on the barley. Barley is considered to be a, a inferior, uh, a, you know, grain compared to wheat and stuff like that. So it's really, it makes sense because Israel was inferior to them in the sense of their own ability. But he saw that coming in. They're going to destroy us. And the Lord says, if you listen to what they say and your strength is going to be armed. He gets up right away. He grabs the 300 men. They surround the camp. And he's, each one takes uh, a, you know, a, a trumpet or a ram's horn and they have a pot with fire on the inside of it concealing it, but it's still burning. And Gideon says, we're gonna separate around this camp. He goes, when I, whenever you hear me, do what I do. When you hear me, sound the trumpet. You break your lantern and you shout out for the Lord and for Gideon. And, he, and he, they get in a place, all of a sudden, it said right after, I think it was like the third watch, just when everybody's kind of asleep, it's doo, 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 doo. all of a sudden, 300 guys, I mean, this is like Braveheart. For the Lord and for Gideon. Boom, and they click the thing, and all of a sudden, chaos happens in this, this camp of 132,000 people. They began to kill themselves. I mean, they didn't really have to do anything. They're killing themselves. There were only a few that escaped and they ran and chased them down and they took care of them. But God's looking for faithfulness. He's looking for obedience. He's looking for us to, you know, if, if we're going to destroy and replace strongholds in our life, then we have to trust. I love this. Is, this became, over this last year, this became one of my, my life scriptures. I love this scripture. It's out of the Passion Translation. It's good in all, but I just like the way it says it here. This is Psalm 62, 11 and 12. God has said to me once and for all, all the strength and power that you need flows from me. All the strength and the power that you need flows from me. And again, I heard it clearly said, all the love you need is found in me. And that love and that power really speaks to the power and strength that we need, really talks about the ability. All the ability that we think that we lack, and we do lack ability in a lot of ways, all the ability and power that we think we lack but we need is found in him. 
That love speaks into identity. And that's where the enemy is always trying to come against us. He'll always try to come against your ability. We, I can't do this. Remember we said, when we say I can't, that is a stronghold. If you find yourself speaking over and over in, in hard times, you say, I can't, or it's just, it's, it's, I, I'm not good enough, or I just can't. Those are strongholds you need to pay attention to. Find out those voices that are going through your mind. And then we get into the word and find God's word to be able to tear them down and replace them. Because you can't leave them just there. You got to deal with them. And then the Lord said this in, in uh, Psalms 18, two and three. This is what David said. I love this. This, this could be, you could take this home today and use this as, as, a, as a scripture just to worship God. He says this, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. He's my deliverer, my God and my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Man, this changed my life when I began to worship God by using who he is in scripture for myself, especially when I'm feeling you know, depressed or down, disappointed, whatever. I'll just begin to come in God's presence like, like God, you are my God. You're my savior. You're my Lord. You're my healer. And I'll just begin to go through all the things and his help, the Holy Spirit helped me remember all that they are. And all of a sudden, somewhere along the line, it'll pinpoint on something, especially if you're walking through something. God, you're my healer. That's right, Lord. You are my healer. Even my foot, Lord God, right now it's been giving me trouble. You're my healer, Lord God. Your power is flowing in my body. Thank you for being my healer. Do you see the power of this? Declaring who God is. And that last verse says, I'll call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I'll be saved from my enemies. Anybody remember Bible camp? I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Remember it goes, the Lord liveth and blessed be the rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth and blessed be the rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. See Ginger after service for worship. Just kidding. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. But God has given us, we see, we see these two things, all the strength and power that you need. He said it to Gideon. He says it to us. No matter what we're walking through, all the strength, the ability, the power that you need, all the identity, the love that you need, it's found in me. Jesus told us in, in Luke 10, 19, he said, I've given you all authority over all the power of the enemy. Prophesied through Isaiah in chapter 54 of, of Isaiah, he says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the saints of God. It's your due. I leave, you know, we, we have to stand up. We have to speak. There's power. We talked about that, you know, over the last couple of weeks. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power in the word of God. But that it becomes, it's, it don't change it's how powerful it is. It's powerful all by itself, but it becomes powerful for you when you believe it in your heart and you confess it out of your mouth. Even when it don't make sense. Even when your, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions don't agree with it. This makes no sense, Lord. Why do I have to lap water like a dog? Because he's looking for obedience. 
And we have to work with him. I mean, that's why it's so important to get into God's word. This is why opportunities to be here in church on Sunday mornings to come together, opportunities to be in a B group. You can sign up afterwards just to be with people, to be encouraged by the word of God. Get the word of God in you. The importance of reading the Bible because you find out who he is. You find out who you are. Are you with me? We have power and authority over the enemy. I remember a time when um, different periods, you know, that the, the spirit of fear would torment me. And uh, one of these times was whenever I was going to Bible college and uh, I drove from, it was, I don't know, about 40, 40 minutes, 45 minutes from where I was in St. Cloud, um, Florida. I almost wanted to say Minnesota. And when I, used to live in, when I used to live in Florida, I'd say, always say, think about here, I'd be St. Cloud, Florida. I was like, oh, no, no, St. Cloud, Minnesota. Well, we lived in St. Cloud. Uh, I, at that time, I lived in St. Cloud, Florida, and I would drive to Orlando, and it was about 45 minutes. Coming back from college that night, I was, I was driving, and all of a sudden, I just this fear came upon me. And I've seen this a couple times in my life, one was I was very young, but all of a sudden, this I, I, I'm, describe it the best that I can. I didn't see it with my natural eyes. I believe the Lord allowed me to see in the spirit, the discerning of spirits. And I saw this spirit come in. All of a sudden, I'm driving down, and at those days, now there's like, it's so grown up everywhere, but before, from St. Cloud the whole way to Orlando, the way that I drove, it was just cow fields and pastures and stuff like that. That's all it was. There's nothing there. If you broke down, you know, and I didn't even have a cell phone back then. You just trusted God, okay? Anyhow, I'm driving, and all of a sudden, I, I see that it almost came like a fog, but it was so quick, came in and just sat down right on the seat beside me. And as soon as it sat down in the seat beside me, fear, overwhelming fear gripped me. And I could see that it looked like a sickly, like, like a tall, real, real tall, skinny, sickly man just sat down right there. And I'm just like, what? And all of a sudden, all these thoughts, fearful thoughts began to communicate. Like, like the, one of the thoughts I remember, like that he was going to get into my engine and cause my car to crash and I was gonna die. And I, for a couple minutes, just a moment, so you know, things going through my mind right there, all of a sudden I'm like, no, wait a second. I have authority in the name of Jesus. I don't care. You fear you're not allowed in my life. Get out of my vehicle in Jesus' name. And just went back out again. Because there's power and authority in the name of Jesus. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. So we can replace, tear down, and trace God has given us the power over the devil and, and his weapons, but we have to trace them, face them, and replace them. I talked about this last week. I wanted to ask, add one more scripture to this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. What are we talking about? Strongholds. Strongholds of the enemy. The war that we're waging is not in the natural, even though there are natural wars. What we see in the natural is because of the war that we don't see in the spiritual realm. But there are principalities and powers and demonic forces working in the earth. And the way that God works in the earth is through his people here on the earth. That's how we have, we have that access to heaven. We have access to Jesus Christ. We are hidden in Christ, in God, at the right hand of the Father right now through our spirit. Do you understand that? Are you in agreement with that? So as I agree with God here on earth, I am releasing his kingdom realities into my what I think to be the reality of my situation, but the real world is the one that we can't see right now. But one day we will see what we cannot see. And we'll understand. This world is temporal. The eternal world, 
goes on forever. He says, we've been given divine power to destroy strongholds. What's a stronghold? We said that they're lies that we choose to believe that are contrary to the written word of God. And as we believe in those lies, we get imprisoned and bound. But his word and the weapons that he gives us are strong. They're mighty, divinely powerful to tear down strongholds. And he says in verse number five, we destroy these arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Is it work? Oh, you better believe it. I mean, you know, you said, you, know, you heard the saying, you know, give someone an inch, they'll take a mile. Well, the devil, he hates you. We, we've already learned that. He, that's one of our spiritual realities. The, the devil is real and he hates you. He wants to destroy you. We don't want to give an opportunity to the enemy. I like what it says in Proverbs 21, 22. This is in the Amplified Version. It says this, a wise man scales the city walls of the mighty and brings down the stronghold. A mighty man. So, Mighty, in this case, we're talking about Gideon too because that's how the Lord approached him and said, greetings, mighty warrior, right? Greetings, O valiant one, strong one. A wise man scales the city walls of the mighty and brings down their stronghold. He's looking for us to act in faith. Look what it says in the, in the, in the Passion Translation. A warrior filled with wisdom ascends into the high places and releases regional breakthrough bringing down the strongholds of the mighty. I like that. I'm going to say it again. A warrior filled with wisdom ascends to the high places, we're battling in heavenly places, and releases regional breakthrough, breaking down the strongholds of the mighty. You know what these 300 men did? They brought regional breakthrough to the, to the house of Israel. It was 300 men that went out, and they're the ones that fought the enemy, but it brought freedom and breakthrough to the whole nation of Israel. Because it says here that they, they, the, 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 those filled with wisdom, what is, what is wisdom? You know, you look through Scripture, wisdom is really, it's divine order, and it's found by the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Man, he's looking for those who will act in faith. Even when you don't understand, you're trusting in God and those who will be obedient to do it ways that you just don't understand or maybe don't even agree with, so to say, but you, you, you're trusting in him and you're willing to be silly to somebody else in this realm so that you can be obedient to the one who's in the one that really matters. Are you with me this morning? Remember, strongholds are those lies that we believe that are contrary to God's written word. And the only thing that can, that can bring down the stronghold of lies is a stronghold of truth. Strongholds are okay, depending on what type of stronghold it is. If it's a stronghold from the enemy, it's a prison. We're bound. If it's a stronghold from the Lord, he is our protection and our shield and our assurance and our rock and our salvation. We run into that stronghold and we are safe in him. So, Lord told me this, and I, many of you have heard this before, but it just goes with this today, so I'm just gonna give it to you again, but the Lord told me this whenever I was a youth pastor, and it's always stuck with me. You know, in God's revelation, his rhema words, they're as fresh today as they were the first time he spoke them. Whenever he brings them back up again, they're just as alive, and he told me this. If you take hold of the word of life, the life in the word will take a hold of you. If you 
Take a hold of the word of life. Don't let go. Don't let go. Because the battle is for you to let go of the life that's in God's word. To get to that place where you stop believing what God says and you start believing the lie. And it won't happen all of a sudden. It's just kind of there, just little decisions here and there, you know, and all happening. Check, you have to check yourself. Check yourself in areas of your hearts. Go, go in and check yourself. Is there any area where I'm wounded? Is there any area where I'm disappointed? Is there any area where I have any fear? And you bring them before the Lord because those are the areas the enemy's gonna try to come to build those strongholds. And if we let go of what God is doing, we give in to his lies. And it first starts as a whole. We just begin to trip in places. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in a cave and all alone. And next thing you know, we're in a prison. But Jesus came to set us free. Amen. Bible says he destroyed the works of the enemy. God wants to be your stronghold against the enemy. So last scripture, John 8, 31, 32. Jesus said this, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You continue in my word. You don't know what else to do. You just continue. Continue with what you already know to do. When you don't have any, any other instructions from God, you continue to do what he's already told you to do. I'll say it one more time because someone needs this. When you don't know what to do, you continue to do what he already spoke to you. If you continue in my word, you will know the truth. The more you continue and don't give up and you keep contending for your faith, as the Apostle Paul says, the more you will know the truth. The more truth that you know, the more free you will become. Because the Holy Spirit leads us into all the truth. And when he leads us to the truth, he's exposing lies. And we can't just leave the lies there. He's helped us trace them. We have to confront them. We've got to face them. And then we replace them with his word. So I want to give you three things real quick as we close. We talked about before, and I won't recap on that. You can go back. But we talked about three spiritual realities. We talked about, um, I forget what the other ones were right now. So you just have to go back and listen. I got these before me. Oh, three spiritual weapons. That's right. And then uh, I want to talk about three spiritual practices to help you trace, face, and replace strongholds. The first one of this is this, is to daily submit yourself to God. Salvation is a one-time and a continual event in your life. I come to God. I, I repent of my sins. He comes into my life. That is salvation. Then there is a walking out of that salvation on a daily basis where I am walking out. That's why it's just not get saved and that's it. I don't need to do anything else. I'm continually, I, don't, I didn't submit to him in, in Memorial Day weekend, 1995 in May, one time. I submit to him every day. God, what you want, what I, not what I want. And one scripture kind of sums it all up. It's in James 4, 7. It says, surrender to God, stand, to the, stand up to the devil and resist him and he will turn and flee from you. Right there, we see, all, we, we see all this trace, face, and replace all on that. Surrender, so we're tracing. We're, we're going back. I gotta go back and I gotta surrender to God. Stand up against the devil. You gotta face the enemy and he will 
resist him. I'm, I'm replacing it because he's always going to try to come. Jesus said whenever spirit goes out of a man, he, he, he goes and wanders in dry places and the house is all clean, but then he comes back and looks because the house wasn't filled and he says, hey, it's still empty. Let me get seven other spirits that are stronger than me and let's go in and have a party. No, we've got to fill that stronghold that used to be the enemies and allow God to be our stronghold. We fill it with his word. Second thing is you have to close any open door that gives the enemy access. These are the lies and the feelings because sometimes it comes as a feeling. It's not just a lie. There's a lie there, but sometimes it can come just as a feeling. Check your feelings too. Feelings that begin to rise up. I mean, just, just different things. I remember, I remember uh, one time we were driving. It took, it took a while to be able to get there and thank you know, the Holy Spirit to be able to help. But every time we went on vacation, I just had this feeling. I don't know why. It's, I, couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint it. Just like, I don't know. I just kind of let down all the time. Just I don't know why it's there. And I began to, to trace that. And the Lord helped me through that. So now that when we went on vacation, instead of looking like, you know, not having such a good time and just kind of anticipations and those things and the feelings that I had, now we go on vacation. Awesome. Because I faced those feelings that were there. Sometimes the enemy will come through feelings and they need to be cast down as well. So these are the lives and the feelings that you believe that are contrary to the written word of God. And the last thing is to confront the enemy daily. Now, I don't mean getting up and not talking to Jesus, but just like, devil, you listen to me. I'm not talking like you got to, sometimes you got to speak to him and just put him in his place. I'm not saying you got to confront him in that way every single day. What I mean by this is, is doing this. You, you uh, confront the enemy by replacing his lies with the truth of God's word. That's how you confront the enemy. Just like Jesus did, if you are the son of God, do this. Oh, I know who I am. And I don't need to do that. The word of God says this, and the word is filled with everything you will ever walk through, the truth of everything that you will need in every situation, it's in the word of God. And the Holy Spirit will lead you there. When the enemy lies, you just take that and apply that. Just consider it a cork in his mouth. Blah, blah, blah. Right? Shut up, devil. Or as our pastor used to say, he was, he was, a, he was a bull rider and a gymnast. Go figure that out. I've never seen him ride bulls, but I've seen him do some gymnastic stuff, and I'm, 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 a, I'm thinking that his dismounts were pretty good. <laughs> but, but he used to take, he's just a shorter man, he's probably about right in here somewhere, and he would take his foot and he would kick it and just hold it up, whoosh, you know, in the air. Come on, and he'd go, take that devil. And it like he's kicking the devil. Never mind, save it for later. You'll laugh today. You'll be eating lunch. You'll be like, <laughs> whatever. So, don't, don't think that you don't have a choice because that's a lie from the enemy. You always have a choice. He tries to take away the choice. God never takes away our choices. He gives us a choice. He gives us a choice to turn away from him if we want. And there are plenty that have done that, and they regret that right now. But we have a choice. No matter what the enemy brings upon you, whatever lie that that is, you can pause in the moment. And you have that choice, no matter what's going on, you can choose to believe God's word or continue to believe the lie. And I'll be honest with you, if you continue to believe the lie, the battle is not going to stop. And even if you believe the truth, the battle is not going to stop. But you are going to become confident in the weapons that you've been given. Are you with me? You'll become confident when he comes that you could be like Kenneth Hagin one night when, he, when the devil himself showed up in his room. God used, if you don't know who Kenneth Hagin is, God used him mightily in signs and wonders, healings and different things. He started a college and 
sent so many missionaries around the world. The devil showed up in his room, hotel room one night. He woke up and saw him. He goes, oh, it's just you, devil. Back to sleep again. Because he knew who he was. And he knew that God had his back. Are you with me?